This podcast contains content that may not be suitable for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Previously on Cry in the Moon's Light, after saving Milady from the Black Wolf's attack on the beach, Seth takes her to an abandoned church deep in the forest. As she heals, Seth tells her about his time with the travelers, why he is covered with tattoos, and the reason he was forced to leave. He explains the legend of the wolf and the secret of silver, how a centuries-old curse from a witch led to the first werewolf, and how silver through the heart is the only way to kill night creatures. Welcome to A Cry in the Moon's Light. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Alan McGill. I'm the author who created this story, and I'll also be your narrator. And now, on with our show. Chapter 10, The Black Wolf. My lady was filled with sadness. She had loved Seth from the time they were young, growing up in the valley of Castle Parlemay. He was her first true love. Hearing his tale, it broke her heart. He had nearly died trying to save her. Despite the brutality of his own injuries, he somehow managed to survive, only to be sentenced to a life of loneliness. The tears that had been welling up in her eyes as he spoke spilled over. She wasn't sobbing, but she could no longer hold him anymore. The whole story was almost too much. You have saved me three times from the Black Wolf. How did you know he would come after me again after he attacked us on the road leaving Marcel? She asked. A few weeks ago, before you left, I was at the pub in Marcel. I was seated in the corner at one of the tables. One of the highwaymen that I know came in and joined me. We had traded goods a few times and had done some capers together. The people of Marcel, as well as some of the road agents, believe I am a highwayman too. They don't know anything about what I am. I've done a few jobs with some of them to survive. You rob people? She said surprisingly. That's why you had the mask on at the beach. I never attack the innocent. But I have taken off shipments of goods going to the castle. I'm not proud of it. But everyone does what they have to, to survive. Seth took a moment before he continued. A short time after the highwayman sat down, a few more of his companions joined us. Some had just come from Normandy. They were scouting for jobs when they heard the story of a wife of a nobleman who would be traveling soon. A rumor had been circulating 
that this rich wife was going to Trevor Doe. It was also said she was in a hurry. Everyone knows the most direct route is through the center of the forest, and this is the road. They expected her to stop in Marcel, if only to feed and water the horses. The forest is so vast, and this is the only place to resupply. It was decided they would wait near the inn to mark her when she arrived. As we sat there sipping ale, another highwayman said he had just come from the docks of Port Calibre to the east. He saw a new carriage being loaded onto a boat. It was slated to arrive at the lands in Normandy within a few days to pick up a fare. He commented on the opulence of the carriage. It was fancy and whoever would be in it would surely be worth a king's ransom. The carriage was shipped over the seas instead of going through the forest or over the mountains. Word had also spread that your grandmother had taken ill in Trevor Doe. Many of the working families that used to live in the valley moved there. They often do business in Port Calibre. I had been there and ran into an old neighbor of your grandmother. She told me of your grandmother's illness. When I heard your grandmother wasn't doing well, I knew you would want to be by her side. Just as the highwayman suspected, I too knew you would come this way. It's the most dangerous route to Trevor Doe, but it's also the fastest. When I heard of this fast and fancy carriage, I knew it had to be you. After all, you are married to one of the wealthiest men in all the land. While you grew up in the valley, it has been a number of years since you were here. It's become a lot more dangerous since then. So I decided to follow you from your home. This way I could watch over you and make sure you were safe. That was how I was able to be there when he attacked. She looked up at him. In Marcel, did you kill those people? A witness saw you in the alley over the bodies. No. The black wolf had already attacked them. When I entered the alley, he burst through the fence to escape me. I chased him but he disappeared in the mist, Seth answered. She thought for a moment, then asked, I still don't understand why you didn't come back to me all those years ago, when you were healed. Our village wouldn't have cared about the scars. We don't believe in superstitions and curses. Your real family missed you, she said looking down, then quietly said, And I missed you. You don't believe in curses or superstitions? He asked with a raised eyebrow. You have seen what I become with your own eyes. Besides, you're a married woman now. You don't understand, she said. Seth got up and walked over to the fire. He knelt down and used the poker to stoke it. Then he added a few more logs to keep it warm. He rose and watched as it burned, the light from the fire reflecting off his face as he spoke. I 
couldn't return, even if I wanted to. By the time I was fully healed, Lord Parlamay had burned the village, forcing everyone out, he said. She looked up at him in total shock. Her eyes were wide with disbelief. Her mind raced to understand what he was saying. The village had a terrible fire. But that was an accident, wasn't it? The fires that destroyed the village were accidents. One of the chimneys caught fire and it spread rooftop to rooftop, consuming each house until there was nothing left. We moved because my father found work in Trevor Doe and my grandmother was heartbroken over what had happened to me. She blamed herself for telling me to go riding that day instead of doing chores. The scar on my neck was a constant reminder to her, to the family of that fateful day. They never thought I would ever find a husband. Unfortunately, my husband was looking for someone who can provide him with heirs. That is something I can never do. So he is now looking for a new bride, she said. Seth turned back to her. Now he realized that her life had not turned out as well as he had thought. He also understood that she did not know what happened all those years ago. Her family had hid the truth from her. They probably hid the truth from her new husband, too. She wasn't going to like hearing the rest, but he needed to tell her. And more importantly, she needed to know. She thought about what he had said, and questions formed in her mind. Why would Lord Parlamay burn down his village? Those are the very people that supply his wealth. They tend the livestock, sow the fields, and feed the entire land, she asked. Seth took a deep breath and answered, Because the Lord knows the truth. He can't bear to do the unthinkable. The one thing that he needs to do. The one thing he must do. He's never been able to do it, even after all these years, Seth said. Even after all the people who have been butchered. Now the look on her face was even more puzzled. What was Seth talking about? It didn't make any sense. She had never known Lord Parlamay to be cruel. The village had existed for generations under the Parlamays. What possible reason could he have to burn it to the ground? Seth watched her trying to make sense of what he was telling her. He knew she was going to be shocked at the rest, and he was a little surprised she didn't have any idea. The Black Wolf is William, Seth said. Her mind stopped. The words echoed in her brain. William was the Black Wolf? That didn't make any sense either. She grew up with him. All three of them were friends as children. They were the only teenagers around. Seth was the oldest, William was next, and she was the youngest. The other children throughout the valley were much younger. 
Although William was the prince of the lands, he hung out with him every day. Unlike her and Seth, he didn't have any chores to do. He had no responsibilities, so he was free most of the time. They went fishing together, swimming on hot summer days. William would even take them hunting in the forest when his father would allow. She was very fond of him during those years. Why did he attack her all those years ago? She couldn't understand it. The three of them were friends. And why is he attacking her now? Why is he still trying to kill her? Seth continued to watch her getting more confused by the minute. The deep doubt and hurt his words brought. It troubled him to go on. But he had to tell her the rest. She needed to hear it all. So he kept going. William was hunting one day deep in the forest with his other friends. Lord Parlamay always reminded William of his status. He didn't mind William hanging out with us, but William had obligations to his position too. His dad would send some of the younger guards out with him on hunting trips. And one day, they were hunting wild pigs on horseback, using dogs to track and herd the animals into a spot. They tracked some of them to another valley several ridges from here, in a very dark part of the forest, a place not far from the border of Romania. William shot one of the boars. The injured animal fled deeper into the forest. When he caught up to it, he dismounted to admire his kill. You remember how he always liked to boast about his prowess. He enjoyed killing a little too much. What nobody knew was that a pack of wolves had been tracking the wild pigs too. But this was no ordinary pack of wolves. Their leader was a descendant of the curse. The wolf pack followed William and his party from the moment they entered the wolf's territory. They remained unseen, watching the hunt. The problem with wolves is how good they are at hiding. You only see a wolf when the wolf wants you to see him. When William dismounted, a few of the men dismounted with him. They were going to help him fill dress the kill, and that's when they were attacked. The hunting party had eight men, including William. Caught off guard, most of the men gave their lives to save William. He was attacked by a large black alpha male. You probably saw the head in the dining room at Parliament Castle. William managed to kill the beast, but he was badly injured in the fight. They took him back to the castle to heal. They also took the head of the great beast, knowing William would want the trophy. Nobody could have predicted what was about to happen. On nights when the moon was full, peasants in the village just beyond the castle wall, were found mutilated. For nearly a year, each month, innocent lives were lost. It seemed as if women were targeted more frequently. Many were found miles from their houses, half-naked and torn to shreds, as if the creature enjoyed terrifying them and chasing them through the forest. It didn't take long for Lord Parlamay to figure it out. 
Parlamé couldn't bring himself to kill his only son. Instead, he hired more security. That is why Barkslow was there. Parlamé hired him to contain William. When the moon was full, William would be forced into one of the dungeons until he returned to normal. And that didn't always work, and William would sometimes escape. His murderous tirades creating the legends of this forest. Barkslow wasn't able to contain William any longer. That's why he finally hired the Hessians to kill William in the pack, he finished. Wait, what? Barkslow hired the Hessians? I thought the king dispatched Volker to kill all the wolves, she asked. The Hessian colonel had a parchment with the mission and his orders. It had a wax seal from the king's signet ring. Seth chuckled a little. The king has no idea what is happening here. Barkslow hired the Hessians to exterminate all of my kind. Barkslow served with Colonel Volker in the Americas during the colony uprising. He knew Volker had encountered a creature there many years ago. Volker and his men just arrived in Marcel two nights ago. Don't you remember seeing them in the pub that night? He asked. She nodded. Yes, I, I remember. But how did you know Barkslow hired them and not the king? The Hessians were there to meet a forger. Barkslow knows that Lord Parlamé would never allow him to kill his son. But he also knows that Parlamé is afraid of the king. Parlamé has successfully kept a lid on the truth for years. All he has to do is keep William under lock and key while Volker and his men kill every living dog-like creature within a hundred miles. When I heard Hessians were coming to the valley, I went to the pub to see who they were meeting. But you were there. And I didn't want to draw any attention to you, so I left. There's something I don't understand. All those years ago, why did he attack me? And why try to kill you? We were all friends, she said. William was obsessed with you. He was consumed with making you his. He would sneak into the forest and watch you take your morning rides, fantasizing about you and he ruling the castle. Are you saying William was in love with me? She asked. Not exactly. I don't think William truly loves anyone but himself. Not sure he's capable. Seth answered, waited a moment, then continued. I think he just wanted to possess you. He grew up with every advantage, could do whatever he wanted. But he couldn't have you, and that bothered him. Lord Parlamé knew of William's obsession with you. While Parlamé loved you like a daughter, you were not nobility. William needed to marry a girl with a proper bloodline to further their standing with the king. He simply could not allow William to marry a peasant girl. William became angry and defiant. And William knew how I felt about you. Seth said as he looked away, almost ashamed to say it. He was determined to make you his. That's why he attacked. 
That's why I didn't kill you, Seth finished. What do you mean? The only reason I wasn't killed was because of you, she said with a puzzled look. William could have killed you any time he wanted. He pinned your arms down to create more fear. Those who are afraid, the most fearful, are easiest to turn. If they survive the brutality of their injuries, something about the fear helps them survive, and they often turn. William wanted you to be his. He was going to turn you into one of his pack. That is why he didn't kill you. Seth paused before going on. I interrupted what he was doing, and he had every intention of killing me for it. The travelers saved me. Because my injuries were so severe and I stood on the precipice of death, I became like him. He was infuriated that he didn't get to kill me, and when Lord Parlamay locked you away in the castle to heal, the frustration boiled over. William returned to the village and slaughtered my family. He tore apart my mother and father. Then he ripped the heads off my younger brother and sisters. Lord Parlamay tried to cover that up by burning my house down. He ordered his most trusted guards to put the bodies back in the house and set it ablaze. The guards didn't account for the heavy wind that night and the fire spread to all the other houses. Within moments, the entire village was burned to the ground. And it was all done to protect William. They told everybody it was a chimney fire spread out of control. Your father was offered a job in Trevor Doe by an associate of Lord Parlamay. He wanted to get you and your family as far away from William as possible. William's obsession with you had already cost Lord Parlamay's village. Now he had to rebuild. Seth finished. William heard about your grandmother just as I did. He decided to wait near Marcel to see if you arrived, but he was late getting there. You had made it to the inn ahead of him. Some of his men were in the pub that night and saw you. He wanted you to leave before sunup, so he killed those two people in the alley to get you to flee. He no longer wants to turn you. Now he just wants to kill you. He didn't know the Hessians were there, or that Barkslow had hired them. Volker and his men were hot on our heels. They chased him way out of his way. He decided to circle back to catch up with the carriage. That's when he knocked over the tree. He finished. But you were there. In the pub. And then in the alley, she stated. He's not afraid of me. Each time we kill, a little bit of the victim's energy is absorbed by us. It makes us stronger, faster, more powerful. William is far more powerful than me. I only kill those who deserve it, and I try not to kill at all. William is always hunting. In fact, it has gotten worse recently. My lady took in everything. It was so much information. New details she had never heard before. As much as she wanted to refute what he was saying, 
she knew, deep down, he was telling the truth. Her memories surrounding the days of her first attack were not great. The injuries she sustained made the recollection of that day hazy. She remembered healing in the castle. She had always believed it was the kindness and compassion of the Lord of the Manor. She looked up at Seth. Why doesn't he look like you? Why is he always a black wolf? She asked. He prefers a wolf. It's more animal, Seth said. Why isn't he dead? You shot him twice on the beach. I watched the bullet go across his cheek and another into his neck. Why did he come back to life? She asked. Seth looked down again, more somber this time. His thoughts were slower and his words more thoughtful. This conversation had taken a lot out of him. It was late and he was getting tired. Only silver can kill us. Any silver hurts our flesh. The curse of the old witch. We suffer wounds like everyone else, and it takes time for us to heal. But silver is the only true way to kill us. But in the legend, the silver didn't automatically kill the werewolf. It was the arrow through the heart. We can only be stopped by silver through the heart. A silver chain can bind us, but silver bullets kill us if they go through our hearts. The villagers never bothered to question the witches. In their haste to rid their lands of all the night creatures, they burned them alive before learning how the wolf was finally killed. Seth finished as his voice trailed off. Why do you still have wounds from him if silver is the only thing that can kill you? She asked. Shh. Sleep now. Enough questions. You need to rest to regain your strength. We can't stay here for long. Tomorrow we will make our way to Trevor Doe. I will see you safely to your grandmother, Seth said. He placed his hand on her cheek. The touch was soft and warm. She leaned into his hand and closed her eyes. She struggled to find sleep. She was exhausted. But her mind would not shut down. Much of what she grew up believing was a lie. Just before she fell asleep, she looked over at him. He was standing at the fire. As she watched him, she thought, I can never tell him. Thank you for joining me on this episode of A Cry in the Moon's Light. Original music by Joseph McDade. You can support the show by making a donation to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Alan McGill. Our creative spotlight is author A.D. Wills. A.D. has a book out right now, Paranormal Society, Island Complex, which is a unique story that deals with mental health issues through the paranormal in a first-person perspective. 
You can find it on Amazon and Kindle Unlimited. And AD also has a blog that features a weekly serial and the occasional short story, all for free. You can visit AD's blog at willsvi.wordpress.com. In the next chapter, a young boy from Marcel finds Seth at the abandoned church. The boy tells Seth of the Black Wolf and his pack killing people in Marcel, and now villagers are under siege from the pack. Will Seth lead the woman he loves to save the town of Marcel? Can Seth defeat the Black Wolf? Find out next time in Chapter 11, Village Under Siege. This podcast is the creation of Alan McGill. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.